Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, I'm the resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. Namaste. Welcome. Um, today's class is in particular a very exciting class, I think, because of the context of, uh, of this topic of philosophy. Because today's sutra is all about learning how to make learning into growth. So to not limit ourselves by this or that individual topic that we might be learning about, uh, but rather to extract the growing process from the learning process and thereby learn and grow from everything. Or as Rudy would put it, you know, to grow from the entire arena of your life. So um, more on that in a moment. Uh, we'll get into our bodies and our breath with a bio. Before you even move, close the eyes or find a single point to gaze on and start to feel the weight of the body gently landing upon your seat. Sometimes there's a little more weight on one side or forward or backward. So we'll play with balancing that out. And start to gently rock the pelvis forward and we'll make it a little more dramatic by ever so gently rounding the spine and gazing down with no strain through the neck and low back. And then push the legs down into the floor. So it could be soles of the feet if you're sitting in a chair or the shins if you're sitting on a cushion. And ever so gently roll up head and neck, come up last and Feel the support of the pelvis at your base and the head weightless. And do this a couple of times in your own pace. If you want to sink the breath, you can exhale forward and then inhale to slowly float up or do whatever is most comfortable for you. But try to move extra slow so you can really feel this process of gently anchoring the pelvis, letting the spine stack, finding the support naturally on front and back of the spine. The next time the head floats, pause there. Notice any sense of your seat getting slightly lighter. And now keep the pelvis and the spine neutral. Gently rock the pelvis forward. And now instead of rounding, the spine stays tall. So you only reach forward a little bit and then lean back, reach back a little bit. And as you do this, just try to feel the extra support that awakens on one side and then the other kind of like a little tug of war. You might feel like, oh, a lot of muscles engage on the front and then the back. And then let that movement get smaller and smaller 
more and more conscious until you land at that balance point where the front and the back are working evenly and it should feel effortless should feel like nothing is engaging too much and you can just float there take a couple of breaths once you arrive and we'll begin our class from this weightless seat lay into the sanskrit for the sutra um it's a long first word but actually very approachable um sva and then shakti and then prachayo and then s-y-a sya sya sounds sounds good it's a hard combination of syllables for me so let's try that first word sva shakti prachayo sya sya Svashakti Prachayo Sya. That's you guys again. Svashakti Prachayo Sya. And then Vishvam. Vishvam. So now just let's put it together um, for fun. Svashakti Prachayo Sva Vishvam. Svashakti Prachayo Sya Vishvam. It's a big one. For this yogi, for the yogi, this universe is the embodiment of their collective energies. For the yogi, this universe is the embodiment of their collective energies. As we read into the sutra, we can sort of see right away that this sutra presents us with um, an opportunity to dive beyond the superficial uh, maybe meaning uh, that the sutra might present us with, which is to say, for the yogi, the universe is Shiva. For the yogi, the universe is themselves, and themselves is Shiva. These statements that are sometimes we can, it's easy to say, but how do you approach this idea that you are Shiva and that the universe is Shiva and therefore you are the universe. Like, how do you approach that? How do you use that? How do you grow from that? Um, because as we know from a previous sutra, Sutra 3.14, uh, Swami Lakshmanju was, was pretty clear when he said, some yogis permeate their thoughts, uh, their thinking with thoughts such as, I am independent or I am Shiva. He says, but to possess this kind of independence, these yogis must actually be independent. They must actually be Shiva, not just imagine they are, not just say they are. Oh, thank you. So just saying everything is Shiva, hey, that's exciting news. There's no doubt about it. But... I really want to be able to work with it. I want to be able to, to use that like today and in our practice. So how do we get to this understanding, the knowledge, the real heart-centered knowledge that the universe is Shiva, I am Shiva, and therefore this universe is, is my collective energies. And 
I hope that we can unpack this sutra together and each one of you actually can, can use it in a different way. Um, my goal for this class and just slow, always growing the class, you know, I want to take more, um, I want, want to take more time for you to sort of self-study and self-process the sutra um, and, and do less of the just sort of plating it up. Um, and so um, we'll take a few more breaks in between to discuss more time to read. But um, I just want to introduce sort of an approach to this sutra that I alluded to at the introduction that the sutra is really about learning to grow. And it's also about growing to learn about the universe, about yourself. Um, so an analogy that I found very useful with some of the denser quotes that we're going to encounter was that of cooking um, or anything you could learn. But I thought cooking was just very inviting. If you really want to understand cooking, you have to learn recipes, right? Or we could just switch it up for a second and say, hey, if you really want to stand, understand anatomy, you've got to learn about muscles, bones, connected tissue, and how they work together. You have to learn about these individual parts in order to understand the whole. And the same can be said about our true nature. That if you want to learn about your true nature, you actually have to learn sort of part by part, piece by piece, lesson by lesson, breath by breath, in order to learn about this bigger understanding. That is, who am I? And what is this universe, as the sutra puts it? And what we find is that when we apply our practice to the individual events of our life, this bigger understanding gradually unfolds over time. A lot of the time we associate learning with a podcast or a master class or school or a certification, or I learn on the job, you know, or I'm a problem solver, that kind of, that kind of learning. And this is healthy. Learning is healthy. Learning is natural. Learning is valuable. But the sutras say, don't stop with the topic, you know, really be a part of the process and Feel what's happening when you're learning and feel how you're growing and then learn how to do that in any situation you find yourself in, not just the situations we call learning environments. And when we can do that, our practice really takes off and our ability to learn follows us everywhere we go. So, Let's jump in to the sutra. This sutra has a couple of pretty long quotes. Um, I want to read them together, as always, and then give you a chance to read them on your own. So it might mean there's a little bit extra silence. Um, and uh, also, don't be overwhelmed by some of the quotes are a little um, circular sounding, where they'll say the same thing in a couple of different ways. Just treat it like poetry, treat it like music and we'll unpack it all together. So let's begin with one of those quotes. It's again, a little bit longer than we're used to seeing on the screen, but we'll take our time. 
Annapurna, if you're available to read, would you mind? This Lord Shiva is filled with knowledge and that knowledge is the innumerable knowledge found in the universe. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Real knowledge is universal knowledge. The knowledge that frees you from the limited knowledge of the universe is called netra. By holding and possessing only one class of this limitless universe of knowledge, and by not possessing universal knowledge, you are bound with limitation. When your master reveals the universal truth to you, then you emerge from limitation and the whole universe becomes your possession. To possess the whole universe as your own self is real knowledge, and that is netra, and that is liberation. Excellent reading. Thank you. So for visual learners, take your time to just read through it again on your own. It can be helpful when studying philosophy to allow it to be almost like a yoga posture, to allow it to just move through you. Um, we don't have to know every muscle in the body to benefit from a posture. We don't even really have to know much about it at all. We just have to let it happen. Um, and it's very similar. So um, looking at, there's a few, there's about four main parts to this quote, just to help make it clear. At first, we've got this concept of innumerable knowledge, innumerable, so infinite knowledge. There's infinite topics. There's infinite subjects to learn about in the universe. Infinite. It's endless. Um, but uh, for, for the yogi, um, just learning a topic is not really big enough. And it, we have this other concept called universal knowledge. And that is, according to the sutras, what would be the real knowledge we're here to learn. Because that kind of knowledge, it says, frees you and unlimits you by holding and possessing one class of knowledge. So just when you really get honed in on one thing, and that's all you do, and you sort of define yourself by it, we know from the very first Sutra 1.2, that tends to bind us, tends to limit us. We suddenly are this profession and we lose you know, the bigger who we are. Now that leap is very challenging and requires someone to show you the way is what it says next. Somebody has to show you this. But when you do start to possess this bigger experience of knowledge, you get free. You feel free from it. And so with our analogy of cooking, you can think of it like you can get really good at one recipe. And if you just stick with that one recipe, you might get really good at that one recipe, but do you grow as a cook, as a chef? And you're like, mm, not so much. You just get really good at that one recipe. So it's scary sometimes to expand and to try another recipe to be thrown into it. And there's a learning curve, but that's what grows you as a chef. 
So we don't want to limit ourselves to any sort of branch or just this one comfortable space of, of things that we like to learn about or like to do. We want to keep opening and keep opening. But of course, it doesn't mean just keep learning all these different recipes and you'll become enlightened because that's just an analogy, right? And we're talking about is trying to extract this idea of always sort of reaching for that next level within yourself to, to not hold on to and sort of bind yourself to and identify with whatever thing you've already mastered to, to stay open, to keep opening, to growing. And so I just want to put that in your court for a moment. There's absolutely no rush. Uh, but after you feel like you breathe with that for a moment, does anyone want to comment or is there a question on this passage? Again, we'll just sit for a moment and allow that to happen naturally. Sure, Bob, thanks, go ahead. Years ago, uh, Baba used the word osmosis and uh, I wanted to learn how to be a baker from this old European man. And Baba said, well, just be around him, just be open, don't think about things too much, don't do anything but just open like a dry sponge and let it wash into you. And I believe that uh, that has served me in many other fields than just baking. So I put out the word osmosis. Thank you. You know, that was definitely the key word that came up for me as well when I was working with the sutra like number one is that Baba is has referred to the learning process as osmosis numerous times. And and I think what what you described is that that we that we incorporate an internal aspect to this external learning process that we that we we tie our practice into it. Um, and that that's sometimes osmosis <clears throat> means oh you put a book under your pillow and you just go to sleep but wait <clears throat> i know what you're referring to and i know what bob is referring to is this process of not trying to like grip it and there's a quote later in the in our class that'll come up where he says grip it and put it into your brain like cram it in instead like relax and let it soak in thanks that's perfect addition to the conversation uma Good to see you. Um, and if, you, if you're not on gallery mode, um, you're welcome to do that, or hopefully you're on speaker mode so you can see Uma. Go ahead. Okay, so this just makes me think about like, like new technology and how like it can be so hard to like wrap your head around like, something like the cell phone, like when it first came out or like the internet and just how like you really have to like, you can't like place like your old ideas into like this new thing, you know? You kind of have to like really like let go of 
just any ideas in order to like absorb what the new thing is. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah, it does. Just breathing with that for a moment, just to sort of feel it on a deeper level. Yeah, that there's a that there's a a bit of surrender that's required uh, to uh, to sort of participate in a new level that's being presented to you that you have to, as Babaji says often, like you got to let go of how you understood the world operated on one level to make that leap to the next and how sometimes when we do change levels in our practice, life feels unfamiliar, shaky. Um, Babaji often says, uh, a stranger in a strange land. Yeah. And that we have to sort of work with that internally in order to arrive at the, whatever the next level is. And that's something as simple as literally just trying to learn a new operating system. Be like, where is that start button now? You know, to something, you know, subtler that's happening within us. Where's my start button? It's not a cup of coffee anymore. Maybe it's green tea these days and like i gotta open up to that that might be autobiographical i don't know yeah that's my life right now actually thanks uma you, anyone's welcome to comment further or questions of course just taking our time with this hey everybody Hey, Andrew. Um, it made me think a lot about, you know, Babaji talks quite a bit about like how you can't just read something and know how to do it from a book. Um, and so just that importance of practice and, and the faith you have to have in the process to like really let go and trust in yourself just be guided along that path and you know you can read about meditation and enlightenment all day um but that's not going to get you there until you start to discover what it means for yourself and i think reading about it helps you open up to what it could be like it takes some of the fear out of the possibility um but none of us can know it without doing the work to get there Thanks, Anju. And the, the, it's, it's funny how we want to skip over that part because it's actually the fun part. I know, I know it's, you know, people that say that you're like, no, but it's like learning to ski. I mean, read about it in a book, Baba uses that analogy. And then, but the fun part is the, 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 the process, right? The actual work of it, we call it work, but it's also called like uh, the game of the play of it. You know, but it's amazing. And I love how you put it, you know, the philosophy takes the fear out of it. It allows you to point yourself in a direction so that you can feel confident for when things get a little confusing. 
the, as soon as you point those skis down the mountain. But even just taking a breath right now, I can, it feels like, you know, there's a, there's a feeling of skiing down a mountain, just breathing into your heart. Now there's like a terrain, you know, there's a, there's a slope to it. There's a velocity. And there's an experience. There's an actual experience of it, just like you would have an experience skiing. Yeah, it's that Dharma, I believe. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about knowledge and it described real real knowledge and then this limited knowledge and I I think that the limited knowledge that is described is that sort of um, the perception of like the perceiving and the object you know sort of the the um, understanding something um, as sort of like relational so it's like I am a self and I see this other thing and therefore I know it because I'm perceiving it and um, if that's a state of duality that is just sort of part of the human experience, I think. And, and that's how I'm sort of reading it as, as that limited knowledge and that real knowledge is something different than that, I, I think. I think you're uh, really on point bringing up the, the, the du dualism and non-dualism, which is a term that I think, you know, we learn almost like surrender where you learn it as you, as you grow and as you read and as you evolve, because the word non-dual is really so unfathomable by definition. Um, it is experiential. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, we have to learn things. We have to, we have jobs to do. We have families to raise. We have to be a part of our life the the common misconception is that we're sidestepping that somehow and can connect with shiva just differently like but the sutra is very clear that it's through the object that you unpack the experience of shiva that it's it's through your work and and then later on in the sutra it's also very clear to say meditation is the only way we know how to do this meditation is literally what teaches you how to do this so that you can do it in your life so thanks for bringing up that the dual and the non-dual and hopefully we just keep on being more and more familiar with that term as we approach it Well, the, the fun keeps going. It's, it's not over yet. This sutra is actually expounds on some of the more particular aspects of this approach. And so what do you say we read another section and then have some time again for a little bit more discussion before we meditate?
So um, maybe our next reader will be Natra Johnny. Welcome to the show. This knowledge is found everywhere, inside and outside, because without knowledge, an object cannot exist. This entire universe is, therefore, filled with that knowledge. And that knowledge, which may be objective knowledge, is, in fact, knowledge of God consciousness. Thank you. Take a moment to reread, to reflect, to feel. All right, so it's unlimited resources for knowledge. It's inside and outside. So again, we're not rejecting some kind of external approach to knowledge. We're just saying it's not just there, it's also inside of you. And it's, there's a little bit of trickiness for me. I felt a little like, it felt slippery in the middle of this. Um, Because it, there's this feeling, okay, an object cannot exist without that knowledge, without knowledge. Um, and that knowledge, which may be in the knowledge of an object, is actually, is in fact, knowledge of God. So we might think we're, we're learning a, a certain recipe when we're cooking, but we're actually learning about cooking, right? But we, we sort of, we can only sort of grasp this recipe this one thing and we think okay it's bit, i'm just learning this recipe i'm just learning this topic this subject but if we were able to relax a little and feel inside of ourselves we might feel ourselves or be able to understand what they're talking about with that we're actually growing as a cook growing as a, a yogi in this process and that to me is what Babaji and Faith have always taught us, you know, you wear a lot of hats when you live in the ashram. And uh, they're all they're all different looking hats, but they all are seva. You know, they're all about growth. And so you might be the cabin manager one year, the office person the next year on construction the next year, et cetera. But in, in a way that that almost fluctuation keeps you clear that like oh it's just about growth it's not about this that object so again take a moment to breathe to feel and if possible if you like to reflect you're welcome to raise your hand Sacha. oh did i miss you yeah who is that go for it it's usha hey. and i for some reason when i was reading it I went a different way and just trying to, if you replace the word knowledge in this whole thing with awareness, okay. then that I think is another way of looking at it. 
Wonderful. Let's do it. Um, let me go back. Yeah, can I piggyback on what Usha just shared? Go for it, Nana Devi. That's um I really like your analogy, Satyam, of cooking and skiing, because those are two things that I really connect with. So like when I'm cooking and in the flow, I'm like a multi-armed Hindu deity, you know, and I'm not in the mind. It's like the cooking is happening. And then when I'm skiing and really in the flow, it's like a dance down the hill, you know, and I'm not thinking. I'm just, my body knows how to react and float. Um, and so... So to me, those sensations I'm describing, you know, that's the Shiva consciousness that the sutras are talking about. And I get a glimpse of it with those two activities for me personally. That is so exciting and helpful. That was really, I could really feel that, you know, the way you described the process of cooking and skiing. And how as a yogi, you're, you're able to to feel that it's like that next layer like there's a lot of people who could ski like that or who could cook like that but as a meditator you get more and more familiar with that space of what Usha was helping us see is that space of awareness that and that those activities become vehicles for you to re-experience it so it's not just on the cushion or just on the mat you know or just during seva it actually can be a part of those joyful times when we really do like Nana Devi is saying, get in the flow. You get, it's an experience of the flow. Sometimes it's the easiest place to find it. Well, I tell you, these um, quiet moments, I hope everyone feels okay in them, because for me, um, when I'm working with philosophy, these quiet moments are where the growing really happens. You know, it's like the time when the plant, it's like you water the plant, but then the quiet moment is like when the plant takes in the water. So... It's, it's an essential part of the process. And I'm sure everybody feels fine in them, but just in case it's like a new space to, to breathe and to just continue to cultivate your, your inner practice and just to soak, to soak in, not just the sutra, but also the sangha, you know, the, the time being together. And... What a great conversation we're having. And thank you all for, for your participation. Do you think we have time for one more? Or should we? Probably. All right, we'll try one more. You might have to, we might come back to this one and start from here next time too. So we'll try one more. Now, Yogita, you had said you were really looking forward to reading on the screen. I thought that was super cool. So would you like to read this one? Oh, you got to unmute. Go for it. You got to unmute first. 
Okay. Um, learning to grow, growing to learn. No one has ever perceived an object without that knowledge. That knowledge, which is the real knowledge of God consciousness, has taken the form of the object. Objective knowledge is not separate from the knowledge of God consciousness. It is by that knowledge of God consciousness that this knowledge of objects takes place. Sometimes I feel that Baba has put the knowledge is inside of me and, and then it grows from there. When I, the, every time I go inside, then I can learn something. Hmm. Agitza, you're really uh, uh, quite an uh, inspiring practitioner. That is really... I've been around a long time, though. <laughs> it, it has sucked in, even though sometimes my outer doesn't look like it. It, it it's, it's inside. <laughs> it's, it's in. Wonderful. Absolutely. I mean, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, it's like a seed, and when you go in, it just grows and grows. Like Baba said, he received seeds of teaching from Rudy, and Rudy received seeds of teaching, you know, and when he was a child that would later you know, ripen and grow. And... and every time we meditate, we're watering it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, earlier in the sutra, it said when a teacher, uh, that basically a teacher sort of uh, has to reveal this universal knowledge to you. And then, then it's sort of like the process unfolds, which is to say that it, what you're saying is not only very possible, but to the sutras, it's essential, you know, and to the tradition. No one has ever perceived an object without that knowledge. You know, when I hear, you know, when the, the natural state, our practice, just those kind of phrases remind me of how releasing doership is so essential to growing and to learning. We think we have to do it, and we're in the sutra sitting here saying, not only do you not have to bring the God to the object, you've never perceived an object without it being there. It's really just a matter of expanding to notice it. Okay. We have a comment here um, in the room. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking of the way children see the world. And I feel like they intuitively do this. Everything they see is magical or just like how that's describing it is God consciousness. They, they do this naturally and we somehow forget how to do that as we age. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Oh, Samantha. 
of our training. Yeah, and, and who who learns the fastest out of all of us? Oh my goodness. Children are relentless learners because they're just so absorbed in this, this process. They're so fully committed to it. We there's actually science that shows adults could learn languages, should and can learn languages faster, faster than children. But it's our attachment, you know, to being right and our trepidation at saying the wrong way or the wrong word that that sort of hold us back. Whereas they just children get they just get so many things wrong and it just doesn't stop them. They just keep putting themselves out there. That's the science. It's um, and that we could be like that in our meditation practice one thing to learn about it which we will meditate here in just a second but it's another thing to just throw yourself into it you know just like a child just fully from the heart and without any trepidation at quote-unquote doing it wrong just just doing it so that's a great segue for us we can get the last 15 minutes of class to meditate together so you're welcome to shuffle around in your seat Make sure you feel steady. Last, everybody gets a different, you know, teaching from Satsang. And this last Monday with Babaji, I, uh, something that, opened up for me when he was talking to us about we all have this resistance that sort of surrounds our heart and that our practice is about just bringing that attention and awareness to the heart amidst that resistance just that's it and really that is resembles the learning and the, the process you know it's like we gotta all we have to do is just keep bringing our attention to our heart and expanding from there in the learning the growing happens naturally so take a moment to swallow releasing tension in the throat and allow your next breath to come in through the nose and make its way down the throat to the heart as you exhale try to leave your focus there And as Baba was saying, it's, it's all there. <laughs> all the stuff we're supposed to work through, all the stuff we're supposed to learn and go, learn beyond, grow beyond. It's all right there surrounding our heart. And all we have to do, as Bob was saying, and that's that type of osmosis learning, osmosis growing is, is relax and Allow our breath to softly expand this space of the heart 
to expand right through those challenges that we feel there. We don't have to push anything or pull anything. We just have to expand from that center point of the heart through any container that surrounds it. And just like with learning, we have to stay focused. We have to be a part of each moment of the process in order to make it work. Part of us always wants to cram the content to, to just be into the heart, just be done with it and expand, check the box. But it's such a short-term approach. That kind of growth doesn't last, just like that kind of studying doesn't work. we actually have to change a little bit. We actually have to soften, feel, and to allow that space to naturally expand. the mind focus and just feel free to bring the mantra on namah shivaya to each breath this god or universal consciousness universal knowledge called shiva 
bring that to each breath flow. to feel yourself growing. You can only perceive a plant growing, it seems, through time lapse. I bet you the plant can feel it. microscopic, maybe, or perhaps it's bigger than that. breath flowing into your heart, the mantra flowing with your breath, almost like Nanda Devi describing flowing down the slope. Can you feel this bigger experience? Of awareness.
allow yourself to relax to in your own way not because someone else says to but in your own way relax your way to this growth to this lesson of who you are learn it by letting go a little bit practice moving gently to try to feel the growth
As you repeat your mantra in this last moment, you feel your breath and your heart. This is according to the sutras, how we learn who we are, how we learn about the universe. And that this ability makes us more skillful, more capable learners and growers in our daily life. And so hopefully through this class, you've gotten a feeling, a feeling for this space in the heart, for the, where the breath and the heart mix. And, and that I hope you can bring it with you, you know, the next time you have, you're in the car and you're like, I really want to, this is interesting podcast. It's like, yes, do that. But also know that just driving consciously and breathing with, you know, mantra teaches you a lot as well. And um, you just keep exploring it. We're going to pick up right here in two weeks uh, and, and keep learning about this sutra. And next week, Devi and Rajani Ma, Swami, uh, will be uh, guiding us in their presentation. So please join us for that. Um, it's been a big week for philosophy. I know Davy's spiritual activism class started this week. Arjun had his class this week. We have this class. So thank you everybody for carving up so much time to be together as a Sangha and practice. Um, and I hope it was as nourishing for you as it was for me. Namaste. And if you'll humor me, I've always wanted to do this. Thanks, Shirley and Bob. Thanks, Usha. Nandama, Tila, Uma, Niramaya, Nanda Devi, Roseanne, Radharani, Sharanane, Gita, thank you, Kathleen, thank you for being here, Dharma, Annapurna, Nataraj, you, Arjun, Devi, Anju, Prapati, Yogita, great reading tonight, and Usha, thanks again. Jai Shri Ram Sitaram Jai Jai Shri Ram Sitaram Jai Jai